All right, so I started a series called Prepare Yourself. That's based on, um, I believe, the word the Lord gave me for this, not only this year, but the, uh, the years coming. And, um, and I started part, part one of a six-part series. It was a series that has six parts to it. And each part, may, this is, uh, the first part was Know Him, and this is part two of Know Him. So anyhow, I shared last week part one of Know Him. So the first thing in, in preparing yourself for what is going to be happening this year and the years to come. And I had given a, um, some statistics from 1900 to now, uh, what has been happening just with natural disasters. And from 1900 to like the 70s, um, it was, you know, the natural disasters, the frequency and the intensity of it was increasing. But from like the 70s to now, it just really exponentially increased. And the analogy of it was like the birth pains, as Paul, as they spoke in Matthew 24. And that was just the natural disasters. So the Bible ahead of time warned us of what was to come. But about a word for this year, it wasn't really so much a word for this year, but it's Prepare yourself. Be at peace because chaos, craziness will just keep happening and probably in- intensify. But we as the saints of God, God must be at peace in the midst of everything because we have already been warned. So he says, just prepare yourself so that these things don't catch you unawares. Just understand what's happening around you. We actually have to be the light. With all the drama that's going on in the world, we have to be the ones who are at peace and the light. So when people say, why are you so calm in the midst of everything? Because I know what's going down. Because I know everything's under control. God has everything under control. And when they say, well, how could you have that confidence? Well, let me just tell you about the God who I serve. Because that will be our testimony. See, our lives is a what? We are a living epistle. Our lives is a testament. A testimony of a life in Christ. The only way they're going to see Jesus is in and through our lives. Unless he shows up to them in a dream or he sends an angel. But, but you know, 99% of the time, they, the people see the Christ through the church. Okay, so as I shared last week, I said the word I received, be at peace, prepare yourself. Uh, we must be unshakable and unmovable, having peace and joy in the midst of the turmoils that is in earth and coming. You know, we have been warned ahead, and in Revelation 19.7 it says, the bride is making herself ready. Or the, the bride has made herself ready. And you know who the bride is? The bride is us, the church. Okay, so I'm just giving a recap. So we touch on John 17.3, and the scripture there was, this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ who you have sent. And the definition of this know, because the title of the message is know him, is, uh, the Greek is genosko, which means to know in a great variety of applications and to have knowledge and to understand. To, have, to know in a great variety of applications. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. And in Exodus 33, I talked about Moses. And I talked about the conversation he was having with God. 
And in, uh, that's Exodus 33, 12, 13, and there's, there's a whole bunch of other scriptures. So you'd have to get the, the, the message. I can't say tape, we don't do tapes anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have to get the electronic version. So Moses, this is important, I'm just going to touch on what a little thing we talked about. Moses said to the Lord, Yet you have said, I know you by name. I mean, the Lord said to Moses, I know you by name. And you have found grace in my sight. He said, therefore now, therefore now, the Lord, I pray, since I have found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you. He said, Lord, you know me. Show me your way so that I may know you. You know me, Lord, but I don't know you. So show me your way so that I will know you. And both that know in the, in the Hebrew is called is yada, yada, yada. It is used in a great variety of, of, of senses. And it, the definition in, is in observation, have knowledge of, to understand, be acquainted with. So last week we left up where God knows us. Before Moses was in his mother's womb, before Paul, before you and I were in our mother's womb, God knew us. God called us to be, he said, Moses, I called you to be a deliverer, because I quoted Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the nation. Moses was called to be the deliverer of the, of the Jews. Who did, God, what did God, who did God call us to be? Why are we here? He called us to be something. We just have to know what that is in the body of Christ. What is our purpose? We all have a purpose. Even the kids. They don't know it yet, but they have a purpose. Okay? So Lord knows us, but we need to know Him. So this know, for you to have peace in the midst of all the drama, you've got to know your God. Because everything you do is predicated on your knowledge of who He is. And, not, and when I say knowledge... Not only knowledge, but your understanding of that knowledge. Because this logos, this word in the Bible is logos. You could have logos in your head, but no understanding. Right? So it's... Oh, let me don't get ahead of myself here. So this know is very important. And if you meditate, as I said last week, on the, on the definition to know in a great variety of applications, that is a powerful definition and meaning. Very powerful. And I'll give you an example. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 10. We're going to do some reading because we got to get context. 2 Kings chapter 19, verses... Let's start at verse 10. Let me know when you're there. So let me just give you a little backdrop. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, was fighting against other kingdoms and now was invading Judah and making threats against King Hezekiah who was the king of Judah alright the king the Assyrian kings even before Sennacherib they were conquering a lot of territory so now Sennacherib who is king he started invading Judah Hezekiah was king of Judah at that time okay so, Sennacherib, 
he sent messengers to Hezekiah. And he has in, 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 the, mess, in the message, he said, let me just read it. That's a backdrop. Verse 10. Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. He said, don't believe your God, who says Jerusalem, uh, that, uh, that Jerusalem won't be given into the hand of the Assyrian. Don't believe your God. You don't, your God don't know what he's saying. And, I, and, and we'll see. Verse 11. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them. And shall you be delivered? You, have, you know our history. The kings before me of Assyria. You have heard what we were able to accomplish. We invaded. We destroyed everyone that we came against. Do you think you would be delivered, Hezekiah? Verse 12. Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom, have, whom my fathers have destroyed? Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Seraphim, Hannah, and Ivar? He said, where are all these people? Their gods didn't help them. They all destroyed. Verse 14, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Hezekiah knew. Hezekiah knew he was up against an army he could not defeat. All the things that the, that Sennacherib said was correct. The kings before him invaded, conquered. Sennacherib, he's now king of Assyria. All the regions he invaded, he conquered. And now he's moving into Judah. Hezekiah's territory. Hezekiah knows that his back is against the wall. He knows he has no way out of this. But, what did Hezekiah do? He read the letter. And he went up into the house of the Lord. And spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear, open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib. Which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly Lord. The kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands. And have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods. But the work of men's hands. Wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore O Lord our God. I pray save us from his hand. That all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God of you alone. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He knew his back was against the wall. Let me give you a scenario now for our time. Friday, 
Just, just, just an example on your job. HR calls you into their office. That's usually not a good sign. And they give you a pink slip. Or, you come home one day, like what Piscataway is doing now with our tax, taxes, going up, reassessing properties. Our taxes have gone up. What do you do? You can't pay a bill. You can't pay a mortgage. Somebody's sick. You have no health insurance. I'm just giving you examples. Say, Lord, this is the tax bill. Lord, this is what I'm up against. I don't have the money. I don't have a way to deal with it. You go before the Lord. Just like Hezekiah did. You spread it out before him. You lay it out. Hezekiah said, Lord, this is what's happening. I don't deny what's happening. You see what's happening. What Sennacherib said is true. They have laid waste to all the other kingdoms. He said, but their gods were of wood and stone. That's why they were destroyed. But what Hezekiah didn't say here, which is intended, you are a living God. You're not wood and stone. So he laid it before him. And when we, when we are faced in this time we are living in, and Rachel and I have been there, no job. We just say, Lord, this is what we are up against. We, don't, we, we have connections. You try to make connections. But Lord, this is what we got. This is, this is what we are faced with. So what happened? Verse 20. Then Isaiah, or Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Oh my God. God, not only did God hear, let's watch God's happen. God is also going to act. Let's go to verse 35. I'm not going to go through all what God said. Let's go to verse 35. Let me know when you're there. And it came to pass on a certain night. I don't know how long after he spoke to the, the prophet spoke to Hezekiah. On a certain night. That the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses, all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home and remained at Nineveh. I'm not going to read the rest. You read, if you read the other verse, you find his, his sons killed him. Now watch this. Sennacherib is boasting. And he's boasting based on past history. He's boasting based on his strength. Alright? Based on his strength. We are invincible. Nothing can happen to us. Until he met with the God of Israel. The living God. Elohim. El Shaddai. What did... Let's ask, talk about a question here. It told the, the, the title of this is Know Him, to know Him. If you read Hezek, the, the history of Hezekiah, Hezekiah was a, a king that walked upright before God. He walked upright before God. 
And if you go into Psalm, oh my God, let's go to, let me just show you something. This, I wasn't planning on this, so let me just read it. Uh, Psalm 91, let me go. To, let's go to verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Because he, whoever has set his love upon me, who is me, God, he is set, because he set his love upon me, the Lord said, I will deliver him. It didn't say, because he ignored me. It didn't say, because he don't want to spend time in my presence. Because if you go back and read in, in Kings, where uh, the Lord honors those who honors him. And those who don't honor him, he esteems lightly. He ignores because you're in Christ, don't feel that you could just treat God anyway, ask Him for what you want, and think He's just going to give you what you want. That's not the God we serve. You have to pursue Him. You have to want Him. God is not an ATM machine. Now you hear people say this, but it's true. He is not an ATM machine. If I treat my wife the way some people treat God, my wife, if I don't give her attention and show her appreciation and show her that I love her and make her a priority in my life, do you think she's going to respond to me in like manner? No. If I treat God like he's a second-hand citizen, he's not important in my life. When I come to him, do you expect him to just drop everything he's doing and just... No, he's not. God is not raising bastards. He's raising sons. Sons, sons, know this about him. When you see that, he's showing you his way. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Meditate on that. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Because you, Hezekiah, has set your love upon me, I will deliver you, Hezekiah. Because you, Christopher, has set your love upon me because you choose to pursue me and love me and obey me. I will deliver you. Put your name in there. Because you, Christopher, whoever choose to ignore me, I will ignore you. Selah. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Hear that? Know my name. You know my ways. That's why you set your love upon me. And because you know who I am, I will deliver you. He doesn't read through these things. These things have deep meanings. Fifth, verse 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. Oh my God. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Who is doing it? The Lord is doing it. Because you have set your love upon me, Hezekiah. I will deliver you. I will answer you. I will hear you. I will act upon your behalf. Let's go back. Wow. Let's go back. So what? Watch this. Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah prayed. And the Lord heard him. Hear what he said in verse 20. Because you have prayed to me against King Sennacherib, King, against King Sennacherib, King of Assyria, I have heard. I have heard what you said. 
I heard you. And in verse 35, it showed what the Lord did in response to Hezekiah's prayer. Hezekiah, what did Hezekiah have to do? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Nada. Now, what? Whew. Let me make, oh Lord, help me to get to say this straight. What did Hezekiah learn about who God is through this scenario? Scenario, trial, or application? Because the, the definition of no is to, is to know in a great variety of applications. What did Hezekiah learn about who God is? Because it says here, he said to Mo- Moses, show me your way, Lord, that I may know you. You're seeing his ways. Hezekiah is, you're seeing God and how God's ways is. And how Hezekiah need to respond to God. What did Hezekiah learn in this application, in this scenario? He learned God is faithful to his word. Because the, he, the prophet spoke and God kept his word. And it's, um, you read it, you laugh at what God was saying about Sinatra before he did it. He said, I put a hook in your nose. And a bridle in your mouth. And I'll turn you around. Oh my God. He said, basically I'm riding you like, like a horse. I'm going to ride you like a horse. Sinatra. Oh my God. We don't know who he's playing with. <laughs> so when they give you the pink slip. Or when people are talking about you at work. Don't worry. They don't know who they're messing with. The Lord will ride them. You put a hook in their nose. And a bridle in their mouth. And he will steer them like a ship. Like a rudder. Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> I'm serious. So he's, what did Hezekiah learn? He learned God is faithful to his word. God, the Lord will fight your battles. So when he said Jehovah Nisi, he will fight your battles. Hezekiah, know that. After you go through this application, this trial, and you come through it, you know the Lord will fight your battles. It's not a like, it's not knowledge, it's not a head knowledge or anymore, it's not on a word. It's knowledge, it's revelation, it's alive. You know it. You know his ways. That's one of his ways. Lord, if I, if I put my, my trust in you, I know you will deliver me. I know it. It's not, I think, I know. I've seen it, I've experienced it. Alright? What else did he learn? He learned that the Lord is their salvation. Oh my God, the Lord is our salvation. So... So they're going to raise my taxes. So I lost my job. What do I know? The Lord will provide another job. Or he'll provide another means for me to take care of my family. Why? Because it says, that's his promise. He's, he's the shepherd. He leads me in green pastures. He leads lead me beside the still waters. He will restore my soul. What are we worried about? Is that he's, he is who he said he is? Or he's not? And I know from experience that he is who he says he is. Glory to God, I'm telling you. The Lord hears him. This is what he also knows. He said the Lord hears him. He knows this. And he knows that not only will the Lord hear him, the Lord will respond. Oh my God, isn't that powerful? You know when you pray. When you pray, you know the God of heaven and earth, the one who created all things. He hears and he responds. Oh my God. I don't know about you guys, but I am sweaty and I'm excited. 
He is the Almighty God. Why are we worried and fearful? Don't get it twisted. You, he has to be the, the priority in your life. He has to be. Let's go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 5. Chapter 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. Sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. If you endure chastening, if you don't fight and backbite and carry on, he deals with you as a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. If you don't endure chastening, you're a bastard. You're not a legitimate son. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Why? For our profit to be partakers of his holiness. This is not for his benefit. This is for our benefit. Our benefit. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. But painful. That's true. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. To those who have been trained by it. Verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. In other words, verse 12, suck it up. That's what he says, suck it up. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Suck it up. That's what he says. Now, what does this have to do with knowing him? Well, I am so happy you asked. <clears throat> what did Moses say to God? Show me your ways that I may know you. Oh my God, show me your ways that I may know you. Well, why do we chasten children? To train them, to show them what? The right way. Isn't that why? So show me your way, Lord. You say, Lord, I want you. I want to be like you. I want to serve you. Really? Then I need to show you the right way. I need to show you my ways. So we are chastened because we do not know his ways. We do not know his ways. That's why we are chastened. When your children act up. Because they do not know your ways. If they act up in the supermarket. You don't act up in the supermarket. This is not my, 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 your, your name. The name of your family. My name is Neil. The Neil children don't act crazy in the supermarket. They don't disrespect people in public. Or in private. So I need to correct you. So that you follow our ways. 
you know, their families, which don't cuss people out in public, they don't care. So guess what their kids will do? Follow their ways. Alright? So, show me your way, Lord. So, you want everything right away. You don't want to forgive. You don't want to this or that. But the Lord will, guess what the Lord's going to do? He's going to chasten you so you know His ways. His way is to be patient. His way is to love your brethren. That's His way. So He will chasten you so you know His ways. That's why we get chastened. In case you were wondering. In case you were wondering, that's why you get chastened. And if you come against a chastening, you are illegitimate. And we don't want to be thought of as illegitimate children to the Lord God of Israel. So you endure chastening. We don't like it. Oh, I'm too big to be chastened. Oh, really? As far as he's concerned, we are children. He's not the father of our flesh. He's the father of our spirit. So we chasten the little ones so that they follow our ways. And he will chasten us so that we walk, know his ways and know which way we are to walk. That's why we are chastened, in case you're wondering. It's not that he hates you. He loves you. He has to, you would need a course correction in your life. That's what happens here. So what? So that you be a partaker of his holiness to yield your fruit of righteousness. How are you going to yield the fruit of God if you're going contrary to the course that you're supposed to take? So you need a course correction so that you can be like him. Partake of his divine nature. Produce his kind of fruit. Godly fruit. You get, I hope you got that, right? So whether you like it or not, when you're going through your drama, and Lord, why is this happening? And why is this not happening? You're being chastened. And it's, he's telling you, you need a course correction. Selah. Alright? So if you don't change your course, go back and listen to the series on the wilderness. You will be in the wilderness until you decide to make a course correction. So, so, so think about that. But understand, He loves you. He loves us. So, as I said, how does this apply to the lives that we are living now? The challenges we are facing and will face will require a confidence in our Lord as never before. If you don't know Him, you're not going to stand. You're not going to make it. You're going to quit. You're going to want to walk away from the faith. And if you don't quit, you will live a mediocre life. So how does it apply? We cannot allow the cares, because the cares of the world will escalate. It will escalate. I am just telling you. The Lord, I'm not, it's not even me. The Lord has told you, told us this. And we have to, I'm just saying what you already know. It's going to escalate. And it's, you cannot allow the cares to choke the word. I don't care what you're going through. Make time for the Lord. You can never be too busy to make time for the Lord. Why? Because when the rubber meets the road and you speak to him, you lay that, you lay it out. But you only go to him when you want something. You go to him because say, Lord, I'm coming to you just to say how much I love you. But Hezekiah knew where to go when he's in trouble. So if you want to say that, come to before him so that he can hear you, spend the time with him. You can never ever be too busy to spend time with the Lord. 
What matters, you, you find the time to do it. Your job's important to you. You've got to meet a deadline. You find the time to meet that deadline. <laughs> Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. Yeah. And while we're going there, turn it there. Remember the woman with the, um, who was caught in the very act? And they brought her before Jesus. And they were saying, this woman was caught in the very act. In adultery. In the act. There's no denying what she did. What does the law say? What should, we do? What should be done with this woman? And what did Jesus do? He listened for what the Father said. Say, you who were without sin, cast the first stone. Nobody cast a stone. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What did the woman learn about God? She learned about God's grace. His mercy. His forgiveness. That's what she learned from experience. From going through that. She knows she deserved death. She knew it. But the Lord had mercy upon her. Do you ever think she'll ever forget that? No. Never ever forget it. She learned mercy. She learned compassion. And hopefully she showed other people mercy and compassion. Anyhow, that, I just thought I'd throw that out there. What did she learn? She, she learned and she knew it. It's not in head anymore. She knew it. Alright. Ephesians three seventeen through 19. That Christ may dwell... Well, anyhow, before you're talking about being strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man... That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend. Understand with all the saints. What is the width, length, depth and height. To know the love of Christ. And that know is genosco. To know in great variety of application. Know the love of Christ. Which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. All of us. His prayer is that Christ would be known in our heart. That we would know him intimately. Not head knowledge. Not logos. Rhema. Know who he is. That we with all the saints, he's praying with all the saints, all of us, to be able to understand and know Christ in that way. What is the depth, the width, the height, to know him in that way, in the expanse of his fullness, know him in that expanse. And why? Know him, uh, know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That knowledge, that knowing is not, it passes, it surpasses knowledge. It surpasses the logos. It surpasses what you can memorize. It's a, it's a, it's a knowing that's above knowledge. It's revelation. Through experience and through, and, and through circumstances, you see God's hand move and you know Him through experience and re- by revelation. That you may be able, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When you start experiencing God in the different applications 
and knowing him in those applications, you become what? Full with the fullness of God. Understand. Understand. That knowing him is more than just the words on the Bible. More than just memorizing the words. Knowing him has to do with an experience. An experience. So when you come through and you see because you trust him. And the trust comes as you, as he works in your life, you take a step of faith to trust him. And as he works in your life, the next time you face with a challenge, it's easier to stand firm and trust. Because you are in one application, in one application, in one circumstance, in one trial, he's shown himself faithful. And if he did it for me then, he would do it for me now. Oh my God. You can't teach people that. It's when you go through it. That's how you learn it. But it, it, this doesn't happen by osmosis. All of us have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We all have to go through stuff. But if you have the guts to trust God, He will never disappoint you. Amen. Never. So I said the times that we are, that's upon us, that are coming upon us, we have to know Him. We have to know.